0: there, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. And this week, we are bringing Kara Dykert to you, the new author mm. of Toast, which I can't wait for all of you to hear more about how that came to be and to get your hands on that. But um, I don't want to jump ahead. Kara... Welcome. Thanks for Thank being with you. us. Thank you. And why don't you just kind of share a little bit about your what you're doing mm-hmm. and then I'll get into all the questions. Yeah. What I'm doing in the
1: world? Yeah. Yes. Okay. What <laughs> am I doing in the world? What are we all doing? Um, I actually just came up with this mantra the other day. I was uh, with a group of friends and we asked a table question like, what are you on the earth for? And my line that yeah. I said was to create beauty and get people free. So that is what I'm doing. I'm creating beauty wow. and I'm hoping to get people free through that.
0: What do you think the free, free of what? Do you know? Well, um,
1: I think there's something about there's something about beauty that releases freedom in people. Mm. And I don't know what it is, but, um, I mean, we'll get into this, but even like eating a really beautiful Mm -hmm. meal or like being in a beautiful space or feeling beautiful, those things all really matter. Um, and there's something attached to our identity when we actually get connected to like feeling beautiful, especially as women, I think it just makes us more free.
0: Okay. Yeah. I do want to get into that Great. because we'll into I think it. there's some messages that are confusing hmm. about that. Yeah. And I think um, depending on your age mm-hmm. in particular, I think those messages can come to mean different things. So Absolutely. I want to address that. You've talked about beauty yeah. since I've known you, Yeah, whether it was... Around food mm. or um, around personality, yeah. which we'll get to as well. But beauty is definitely a through line for you. Yeah, it matters to um, me. So, you're one of the things I wanted to sit down and talk to you about yeah. in particular was you're kind of this poster child for the gig economy. Hmm. Like, and I, that's a good thing. Like, yeah. I hope you take that as a compliment. Um, I mean, you have your hands in so many things, and they all seem to be supporting the same end game. Hmm. Can you share a little bit about what those respective things are? Yeah. And kind of where you want to take this whole how you want all of the, these independent things to culminate. Yeah. Um absolutely. I love that
1: poster child. That's 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 good. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. good. Yeah. Um yeah, so I I do a lot of different things. Um my friends do joke that I'm the jack of all trades mm-hmm. and I make money doing a lot of different things. So Um, Part of that is just the way that I'm wired and my personality from a very young age. I've just wanted to try everything. And if we do end up talking about personality stuff, I am a seven on the Enneagram, (laughs) which we are notorious for doing all the things we... uh, What is the seven? Uh, it's called the enthusiast,, okay. so okay. we get excited about everything okay. um we 're very adventurous and spontaneous, and generally your yes friend because we 're always afraid of missing out on something, so if we say no, that means we 're missing out, but if we say yes to everything, then we think that we 're going to be satisfied, and there 's a lot within that that is can be unhealthy and whatnot but we'll get into we'll get into that, but that has been this theme of my life of like I want to try everything, I want to do everything i 'm a middle child, and i 've kind of just like had this sense of adventure from a really young age. Um, so I I went to, you know, college, studied psychology and sociology, thought I wanted to be a family counselor, ended up working at a hedge fund for a year, just kind of did it all, went to, um, went back to grad school, got my master's in human development and uh, worked as a wedding planner. I started a wedding planning company with a girlfriend um, in the middle of grad school and just launched into that. Um, and our, our love for wedding planning really came from, uh, creating spaces for people and creating environments. And so for me, wedding planning was really about what kind of, what kind of environment are we creating with this wedding? What kind of, um, situation and what kind of experience are we building for this, this couple, um and so that was the wedding planning world. I joke that I got to do way too much family counseling as a wedding planner um because you're just in the messiest yeah. season of someone's life. Yeah. It's it's beautiful, it's incredible, but every family dynamic, money dynamic, and anything you can think of arises during that season. So Um, Did that for about three years. And then I was living in Chicago at the time and I was quite burned out. So I decided to move somewhere. I was like, I'm going to move to New York. And I went and interviewed with this company out there and it was the blizzard of 2013, which Mm -hmm. was this chaos blizzard. And I was walking around Manhattan in soaking wet boots and like just my nose hairs were freezing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't want to live like this yeah. anymore. And I and walking around, it was fashion week. And so there's like models everywhere, and they're all wearing high heels in a blizzard. And I was like, this is not me. Like I will never <laughs> Nor be... is sustainable no, for anybody. Anyway. not sustainable. I will never be that girl. So on the back end of that trip, um, I was coming out to visit a girlfriend in LA. And I came and um I I don't know. It was it was something guttural or spiritual for me where I stepped off the plane and I was like, Oh yeah, I need to be here. I need to be in LA. So went back to Chicago, packed up my life pretty quickly. Um looking back, Neta, I am like, how did I pull Mm. that off. Like I had $3,000 in my bank account. I owned nothing. I had no job, no place to stay. I had friends here. So I knew that I had at least community, which I I think is kind of the, the, like the, the most important aspect of life. Like if you have that, everything else can come from that. But gosh, I was like, so naive
0: looking back, I'm like, how did I pull that off? That's why you yeah. were able to pull it exactly. off. I mean, I think we all have those moments where mm-hmm. like, how did that happen? And it's because we didn't know. We
1: didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And and people would say, You're so brave You're, for moving. And I'm like, no, I just, you know, I just want to it. I just I gotta have fun. I was <laughs> seven. I was seven. <laughs> I gotta have fun. I gotta try everything. So I decided to move across country. Um, my brother lends me this 1987 Mazda RX red convertible. Yeah, he did. Yeah, uh-huh. he did. And it fit a suitcase and a half. And my best friend from college drove me across the country. And on the drive out, she said, if money doesn't matter, if you never have to make a dollar, what do you do with your life? And I said, have people over for dinner. Um, And in hindsight, uh, I'll tell the story of what happened from that. But in hindsight, it's really interesting because I did do that. I started a dinner party company and I built that. Um, But in the past year or so, as I've been reflecting on it, it really for me was about the having people over and the dinner part was this vehicle to make Mm -hmm. that happen Mm -hmm. because I love food. I work in food. I create food for people all the time. But at the end of the day, I want that to be, um, you know, just the space like food is just the space for having people over. So if I make you a meal and we sit down together, a conversation is going to be birthed out of sure. that. And we're going to get into some heart space stuff and some identity stuff and get to dialogue about things that don't happen on a normal day-to-day basis, unless you're sitting down and present with someone. So, so I get here and I start telling people, uh, I'm starting a dinner party company. And they're like, what is that? And I'm like, I don't know. And so I get to build this idea as I'm you know, verbally building it. Um, and pretty quickly I got hired for like a birthday party and then an anniversary party. And I had a friend who was an actor and was connected to this really well-known actress. And she hired me for this, you know, private 12 person dinner party. And then from that, all her actor and actresses, friends kind of brought me on to do like little catering gigs or Mm -hmm. little, you know, little dinner parties or food things. Um, and then, uh, I, The girlfriend that I had originally visited on this trip was living in this loft building and one of the lofts opened up and I was like, I have to live there. I have to live there. So I ended up getting this loft and that story alone could take an hour because it's like Miracle Story USA. It's just so crazy. Um, I should not have been able to... Put, you put a deposit on, let alone like let them,
0: right. uh, the fact that they let me move in was crazy. Well, but, and if you could see this loft for all of our listeners, you'd, you would understand that it was probably a really coveted and still a really coveted space to be in and yeah. probably wasn't easy to get. So yeah, I'll paint it, a little bit of that picture for people.
1: It was pretty dreamy. It's pretty dreamy. So moved into this loft and I was... um I, had no, I owned nothing, so I had no furniture. I slept the first couple nights on a yoga mat, just like right here on the floor. And a girlfriend came over and we were like sipping whiskey. And I was like, you know, I think this loft would be really great to have people over to like have dinner parties. And she was like, yeah, it's perfect. I was like, I just need like a big dining room table and we'll just like invite a bunch of strangers over and they can drink whiskey with us. And she's like, yeah, and you can cook dinner for them. And I was like, yeah, we could even do it like every other week and call it Whiskey Wednesdays. And so we start this dinner party, uh, series called Whiskey Wednesdays, where every other week we would invite 16 to 20 strangers over to dine
0: together. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're not picking these people on the side, up from the side of the road. No, no. Okay. just, <laughs> just the We Thursday. don't want anybody outside, hey, getting an idea that like I heard, I heard on Liberty Sessions right, that you could just, just yeah. stop by. Yeah.
1: No, the way it, it started is I think I posted, you know, I, at that point on Instagram, I probably had like 500 followers Mm -hmm. or something. And I posted just to my friends like, Hey, I'm going to do this dinner party, sign up on my website, built a little ticket thing for like, I don't know, $25 or something. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, and people would sign up. And then from that other people would hear about it. And it kind of just grew word of mouth. Um, and we did that for about two years. Um, and it, it is when I look back on it, it is one of the craziest things I've ever done in the sense that when you bring strangers together and you ask intentional questions, Mm because that's the big theme of the night. We would drink whiskey, we would have family style dinner, and then we would ask table questions. So it could be anything. It could be something simple, like, what's the worst date that you've ever been on? Mm -hmm. Or it could be a little more profound. Like what are you hoping for in the next six months? Um, but whenever you ask these questions, especially communally, um, Yeah, magic is unbirthed. Like people, uh, people open up about things and become friends instantaneously because you're like, Oh, I had a bad date like that too. And then the girl at the other end is like, I identify with that. And so there's connections happening all around the table. And by the end of the night, people seem to be like best friends. I've had people start working together, uh, Remain friends from it um, A lot of my work has come out of that Because people would see Oh, you can create this beautiful dinner party Come style this photo shoot for us sure. Or whatever it would
0: be And hosting, right? Mm-hmm. Leading some of the mm-hmm. You know, bringing some of those questions To their party yep. And sort of acting as the hostess
1: Yeah And I think in my, in my friend group uh, We're all We call ourselves intentional people We're, we're really intentional with one another In mm-hmm. the way that we ask questions to each other and strangers and everything. And so I think I always thought that was really normal. Mm. Um, I just thought that everyone kind of interacted that way. And I think people would come to these dinners and be really surprised sort by blown
0: away by I've never experienced anything yeah, like this yeah.
1: completely. And, and part of what I love about hosting is e- this idea of creating space. And so I talk a lot about how if we're going to create space for other people, we first have to create it for ourselves. So I have to be willing to be vulnerable. I have to be willing Mm -hmm. to tap into like, you know, uh, conversational places that maybe are a little bit scary or awkward or whatever. And then even as a hostess, um, if I'm cooking dinner and providing drinks and whatever for a group of people, what kind of energy am I bringing to the room? Am Mm -hmm. I bringing... A stressed, like frantic, like oh my gosh, I'm cooking dinner and I'm so stressed out. Don't bother me in the kitchen. Yeah. Or am I bringing this peaceful, calm, conversational, engaging energy to the room? Um, and so I think that's why Whiskey Wednesday worked because I I did feel really calm and I did kind of create this environment for people to feel safe in. And you
0: know, probably a lot of that comes from my training and. Whatever psychology, sociology, and, and I was going to say in the wedding industry, mm-hmm. like talk about a a, yeah. a stressed yeah. out or a stress inducing <laughs> job. Like if you can keep everybody sort of calm and happy, the storm. and yeah, mm-hmm. then you're like, this is nothing. Yeah. A dinner party for twenty is nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. It's it's more fun than anything.
1: Yeah. So whiskey Wednesdays
0: was great. Um, I was that satisfying the. Both the financial, like I have a job going, as well as the, this is what I feel like I am I was put on this earth to do?
1: Yeah. Um, no. It was satisfying that this is what I was put on the earth to okay. do. It was not making money. Okay. I wasn't losing money. Um, but it's just not a very lucrative thing to sure. have 20 people for dinner and you're Try selling tickets up. at like yeah. 30 bucks or something. Yeah. Um, But what was lucrative about it was the connections that were happening as the as these dinners were taking place. So, like I said, so much of my work has come out of that. Um just through people
0: I've met and sure. relationships I've built. It's brilliant networking. Yeah, it is. I, I know it's that brilliant. wasn't the intention, but oh, it's, it's a brilliant it's, way to get connected to people and sort of who they are as humans before yeah. you ever ask anything about what can work. I do for you or what can you mm-hmm. do for me? Yeah, Absolutely. from a work point of view.
1: Yeah, I mean and I think that is the only way I want to work in life. I want to build relationships. And then if things can be built outside of that in in the work world, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like this idea of sitting around a dinner table and not talking about what you do, especially in a city like LA where there is so much of that. There is so much like people come here for it. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do? How can you help me? Um, and I, I think that's, It's sad if the relationship isn't built first, Mm -hmm. but after the relationship is there, you're like, Hey, you're doing this thing. Come do this thing. You know, there's just so much collaboration built out of that. Um, yeah, so I did that and I actually brought it back this summer for like a little reunion. We did three of them, which was really, really fun. Um, I would like to keep
0: doing them maybe like twice a year. Yeah. Because they're just, they're special. They're probably nostalgic for the people that were part of the original yeah. the original group or got to know each other from that. Yeah. When we talk about the networking relationships mm-hmm. that came from them and the work that came from those mm-hmm. relationships, what, what was that work? Yeah. What, what were you getting from that?
1: Yeah. So um, more dinner parties. Okay. I did... Um, you know a, a lot more dinner parties catering type things a lot of catering came from those cuz people you know people come in and they're like oh my gosh do you do food for events and i'd be like sure i can do it you know yeah. um food styling mm-hmm. uh so some of my print work or um even video stuff that i've done has come out of those relationships um cuz it kind of was like i was displaying my my talents. Yeah. And like and having people a showcase could figure out where that fit yeah. into
0: their world. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then would invite me into that. So um that's also part of why I do so many different things again because I'm a yes person, but also people would say like, "Hey, can you come and you know, style this photo shoot not just food, but like actual design things and I'd be like sure I can sure you know because they're in my space and they're like oh this is a beautiful space she can make pretty spaces so they're you know thinking outside the box of just food um yeah so that's what I mean when I say most of my work has has come out of that and just other relationships in general I um I think I'm I am a big believer that our words carry a lot of power Mm -hmm. so when we say things out loud it it like breathes life into them. So I've been saying, you know, since I got to LA, I want to have a dinner party company. And then I've been saying, I want to write a cookbook. And then I've been saying, I want to have a show or whatever it is that mm-hmm. we say. I think we kind of walk ourselves towards that also because we're communicating that with other people. And when we're in relationship with people, they want to see us thrive. So if I say to Sarah, I want to write a cookbook, she's like,
0: great, let's brainstorm how that can happen or mm-hmm. or what it, however it comes to be. Um, why don't we actually build on that? Yeah. Because I know a little bit about how that cookbook came to be. Yeah. And it's not so um different from what you're describing, yeah. in that you put it out there. Yeah. Walk us through that. Even though that was something that you wanted to do, it wasn't an accident. Yeah. It was an intention. Yeah. How did that actually come to be? Because mm-hmm. you self-published that book.
1: I did. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: I self-published, which we will
1: get into because it is tricky. <laughs> um so so you know this about me, I've said this already I, as a seven, I want to try everything. And last year, um, 2016, I, it was just a rocky year in general. I, I think I'm a massive dreamer, but sometimes I feel overwhelmed by the amount of dreaming that is in me. And I just feel like there's not enough time and I don't have you know enough resources to do what I want to do. Um, and so, and I had also just come off of doing all the things, all of the events, all of the
0: catering jobs, all of the food styling. Um, in fact, had started to say no to some things. Yeah. I remember talking to you, and you're like, "I'm starting to say no to some of these catering yeah. events because I just have to make room for the things that matter that I want to do." Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So, 2016 really was a narrowing year for me in a lot of ways. I feel like I got in touch with like, oh, what do I actually want to be doing? Mm-hmm. What do I want to spend my time doing? Um, and that's really hard as a seven because you want everything. It's like you go into yogurt land and you want every single flavor. You don't want just two. <laughs> you want all 24, <laughs> you know. So um, last year I did this life mapping exercise with a friend, Alyssa, and we uh, we put post-it notes up on my wall of all my goals. And last mm-hmm. year I had like 24, no joke. My entire wall was lined with all these post-it notes. And then she builds from that like, what are the action steps and connections you have to make those things happen? But as the year went on and my focus got clearer and I narrowed in, I came into 2017 and I choose a word every year and Mm -hmm. I get it on like a giving key. Mm -hmm. And my word in 2017 was the word commit, Mm -hmm. which is the counter intuition for a seven. We're like, no, we don't want to commit to that because if we commit to one thing, then we're saying no to all the other things. So we um, did the life mapping exercise again in the beginning of January and i had 3 things on my wall just 3 there was like only 3 goals that i had for the year and the first was the book and um it's just uh, it's so funny to me i'm like wow i actually put that into motion with number 1 choosing it and number mm-hmm. 2 saying it out loud and then
0: it just kind of happened so why did you choose the book what was that mm-hmm. what was it about the book because that's not it's not a live interaction. It's not people together. It's not some of the things that you have gravitated towards.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think part of it is that I, I am a creator. I Mm -hmm. love creating. Like I feel like everyone is a creator, but I just, when I make something, I feel really proud and excited. And I think I've spent my whole life making things that end up for better for like a better term getting destroyed because with mm-hmm. food you create and then you destroy and then you sure. create and you demolish whatever you do with it um and so it's a this like repeatable art form that always ends up gone after you make it and i think the book for me was like i i want to make something that is actually holdable in my hand and Mm. I can touch it and feel it and it's a product that I've created.
0: I get Um, that, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was just something actually tangible to hold. Um, So, yeah, I think that was the intention with the book Um, or probably the reason it was first on my list because I felt like I had spent four years in LA just building and creating, building and creating and and never
0: having something to hold on to. Or to show for all of it. To show for it, yeah. if you were there and you experienced it, great. But if you weren't, how can I how can I show you what I've been up to? Mm-hmm. How can I um, put all of those years and all of that expertise mm-hmm. into something? Yeah. Okay. So you put it out there, yeah. and how does it actually become the thing that we're the holding thing. today? Yeah.
1: So I went to Madison to visit some friends, um, Johnny and Michelle, who have a photography company called Paper Antler, and. Um, They're best friends from college, the same one that drove me across the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I was just visiting and um, I think I made a toast or something for breakfast. And Johnny was like, this is delicious. And I was like, I want to do a book on toast one day. And he's like, why don't we photograph it right now? And so I'm in their, uh, their house, which is, it's so gorgeous. The light is gorgeous. Everything is beautiful. I'm like, oh yeah, we could do that. So I go to Trader Joe's, I buy like $200 worth of ingredients and we built 62 toasts in nine hours. No joke. Oh my gosh. And photographed all of them.
0: And so we really, yeah, I knew, I mean, I knew most of that story. Yeah. I didn't know the nine crazy? hours, nine hours, wow. nine hours. So we, those are really good friends. Yeah, We love them. We, we will put l- that, their name in we, our show notes yeah, and everybody awesome. should
1: know them because yeah. they're, Number one, they're dream humans, but then they're so talented that you're, yeah. and their marriage is perfect and their kids are so beautiful that you're, they're just like that yeah. perfect family. Yeah. Um, and so disarming at the same time. Um, so yeah, so we, we photographed all of these toasts. We had like a toast and tequila party after for all the neighbors. We invited everybody over to come eat <laughs> all the toasts. And it was interesting because we were gonna, we were gonna shoot, um, I had a vision for how I wanted it to look. Um, You know, I wanted like up close and personal photos with all of the toasts. And I wanted it shot on white marble. Mm -hmm. And they had a white marble countertop um, that we were going to shoot on. And then the day that we were shooting um, it started raining. And so we couldn't shoot in that location because the light was bad. So we had to go to Home Depot. We bought a $3, um, concrete slab Uh and we ended up shooting on gray. And now the book is like gray tones, which I'm so happy about. It it was an accident that ended up turning out to be such a cool thing. So we photograph all these toasts. Um, I get back to LA and at that point I, um, I had quite a but, uh, a bit of event stuff happening. And so I was pretty overwhelmed with just like all the logistics of life. And I was like, I need to hire somebody. I need to like bring on someone to help me. So I uh, had this friend of a friend be like, you should hire Hannah who used to work for her. And I hire Hannah, you know, for like 20 hours a week to just come work with me, help me on projects. And I knew at that point I was going to work on a book and I knew that she was a graphic
0: designer, but I had no idea how talented she was like I I think I so she wasn't originally hired to come in and work on the book she was no, hired to help with all the events that you were managing she was, at the time. She was
1: kind of hired to help me with my
0: life, life. in general okay.
1: like yeah. I was like I'm drowning and and the book was a part of our original sure. conversation I thought it would be much much later um but we started working and she designed a couple like menu cards for me or something. And I was like, Oh my gosh, let's just do the book. Let's just, let's just do it. We, you're so talented. Let's just get this done. And she was really excited to work on a book. She had wanted to do that for a long time. So, um, we probably from May until, uh, end of July spent that entire time designing, writing, um, it is so tedious yeah. to do a book. I yeah. had no idea. I was like, oh, we have the photographs done. I'll yeah. just write a what couple of paragraphs and then we're, we're yeah. done. Um, I, could, I cannot tell you how many hours and hours and hours went into it. Even with a cookbook, there's just, there's recipe checking. And then all the text that goes in, there's so much copywriting and copy editing and going back and being like, oh, that sounds ridiculous. My voice is so redundant. And I've used that word yeah. 400 times. And... I've written, um, you know, quite a few articles and and blogs and pieces, but I've never done a full book. So to go from beginning to end was a very tedious process. And I'm kind of like, I'm like a free spirit and I'm pretty laid back and not a perfectionist. Hannah is the opposite. Hannah is down to the millimeter of a line. It has to be perfect. And so she would, I mean, through the design of the book, she was so meticulous and I'm so
0: grateful for that because there would have been so many mistakes and you know it's good to have, it's good to have both yeah. so. it's good to have somebody that can push the boundaries mm-hmm. a little bit and be more visionary or dreaming yeah. about what it can be and then have somebody else who's sort of dotting eyes and crossing t's yeah. and and there are other personalities needed in that process too. Yeah. I mean even just the photographers to have the eye to say yep. this is how this needs to Yeah. It's your vision. Mm-hmm. I want these close-up shots. Mm-hmm. I want to tell the story of how these toasts can be made and yeah. how people can have this beautiful thing in a really simple way. I, yeah. I love the book. I love the concept of the book. Thank you. And um, we will make sure to have that as well in our show notes. And we can, can we buy that on your site? I think mm-hmm. we can. There's can a shop. You can buy it on my yeah. website and on Amazon. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll have all of that. So fast forward to the book, you get the book to print. The book has just come out. Yeah. You did a Kickstarter that was successful. Yeah, I want to touch on that. Cause that was a really big piece of yeah.
1: self publishing. Um, Going into it, we um, we realized that we are spending so much money creating it, mm. um, just even time-wise. Like three months of, of my life was devoted to this. Sure. And then looking at printing costs, it was $15,000 alone to print. And I was like, I, I don't have that. We How are we going to do this? So... I was driving up to Carmel for a vacation with um, a group of girlfriends and they just were like, why don't you kickstart it? And yeah. I had never honestly thought to do that. I, I hate asking for money. And so um, I, I said that and they were like, you're not asking for money. You're asking people to invest in something that you're building. Oh,
0: it's, it's, but it's just a purchase. Yeah, exactly. Because with this kind of thing, it's the, it's you just the perfect. Get the book kickstart. Yeah. Um, they get something for their money. They don't yeah. even see it as an investment. You're reaching out to a larger audience who yeah. wouldn't have access to mm-hmm. you. Okay, so were you convinced immediately? Like, yeah, um, I need to kickstart? Yeah, start. we okay.
1: brainstormed it and I was like, oh, this is a great idea. We. So I, I literally flew to Madison the next week to film a Kickstarter video with Johnny and Michelle. Okay. Um, oh, that's
0: their house in the video. It house. is a great house. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, it yeah. Is.
1: It's insane. So we filmed this Kickstarter video and then that I come back and by Friday, I mean, this was like a two day turnaround. We launched the Kickstarter and I wanted it to be quick because the worst thing in the world for me is just because with Kickstarter, if you don't raise all of it, you don't get yeah, any of it. That's right. Um, and so I was like, let's just get this thing done. So we, I think we did a two week Kickstarter and raised it. And that was this moment. I, I was sitting at breakfast uh, with a girlfriend, when we got the notification that it had been raised, and I was like, "Give me a glass of champagne! Give me a glass of champagne! We have to celebrate <laughs> because it's just so—it's overwhelming. Like, we raised twenty thousand dollars from mm-hmm. friends who have, you know, just been such like a support system and. I was overwhelmed with gratitude. I like was dancing at the restaurant, like drinking champagne, so excited. So that was really cool because the book would not come to life if that had not ha- had happened. Like it it just there was not enough resources to do it. So um do the Kickstarter everything in between is again, self-publishing. Like we went back and forth with printers and even the cover, like I needed it to feel a certain way mm-hmm. and you're doing, you know, demo prints and then it's a little bit off on the edge. And so you have to do it again. And then it just so back, there's so much yeah. back and forth, finally get it to print. And I am like over the moon in love with it. It's it's so fun.
0: Um, it's a beautiful book. I mean, you. I totally get why you'd be in love with it, but just objectively speaking, yeah. it's a cool book. Yeah.
1: It's beautiful. And I think the favorite thing about it for me is that, um, again, it's that feeling of like, Oh, I made this. I get to hold on to it. But also like toast has been such a, um, it's silly, but such an important part of my life in the sense that it It's like the best hosting food ever Mm. because all you're doing is taking some ingredients and putting them on bread. And if you make it beautiful, people are like, wow, this is amazing.
0: You hosted an event for me. Yeah. It was a client's birthday. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do remember. And it was a full dinner. But the opening appetizer, if you will, the appetizer, I guess redundant to say opening appetizer, but was... um, a toast. I can't remember. I think it was like a burrata kind of situation. Yeah, And people were like, okay. Yeah. I don't even need anything to come next. Uh, This is great.
1: And any, that's the thing about toast. Anyone can make it. Like Mm -hmm. it does not have to be, because I think a lot of times in the food world, especially with hosting, people are just intimidated. You don't know what to make. You don't know how to make it. And the tagline of toast is um, finding freedom in the kitchen. And that's the intention. Like, I want you to get intuitive with food and play with it and be able to create something without feeling overwhelmed by this, like, meticulous recipe and technique and whatnot. And the idea is like, no, just take a piece of bread and put a bunch of beautiful things on it. And you've got a great meal to invite someone into.
0: When you first told me about it, I remember, I mean, this is kind of the, 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 business nerd in me, yes. but I loved the niche part mm-hmm. of it. Like mm-hmm. it's so specific that mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we shy away from something that, how many people really want toast and people are not eating eating bread bread. right now and whatever. (laughs) And in fact, it was, no, I'm actually going to embrace it and I'm going to get really, really narrow. Mm. I'm going to build an entire book on this. And I think that's part of its genius. Yeah. Because if I'm going in and I don't know you Mm -hmm. as a cook, as a chef, as a, as an expert, Mm. um, and I see the book, I'm very, there's Immediate clarity yeah. on what you do and what I'm getting, yeah, and I'm willing to invest in that. If you were compare, if if you were in a bookstore mm-hmm. and it was a more general cookbook, I don't know who you are and I don't yeah. know what you have to offer, yeah. and I, I perhaps might pass it up. So I actually think it's genius that it's that mm-hmm. focused, mm-hmm. Um, and I like the play on the toast and the celebration because yeah. yeah. that Tasting is so you, us. yeah. yeah. Um, so for those people who are listening. They've put together that you came to L.A., that you're sort of this dreamer. I think a lot of people who listen to a podcast like this can can relate with that. Hmm. And they hear the like, okay, she started this thing um, where she was essentially um, creating a very small catering company, mm-hmm. but with the intention being way, way beyond food. In mm-hmm. fact, when you talk, it's really the excitement of the people where yeah. you light up yeah. um, the food. It's almost an afterthought. Yeah. And you break even on that. You start making money doing this sort of thing for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, You're working for brands as well as individuals. Mm -hmm. And then the book comes out. Yeah. In the meantime, you've created all this content Mm -hmm. to build up your platform as Kara Elise. Mm -hmm. So, and it's by CaraElise.com, which we'll also have in the show notes. But- what is it that you have to do? I want people to get a real sense of what the hustle part is like and that it's not just creating these dreamy videos and posting these beautiful recipes. Um, And I'm just going to be, break it down for people. You're a single woman Mm -hmm. living in LA. This isn't a side gig. Like you're supporting yourself through these efforts and the, And I want people to know that because I want them to find hope in that Mm -hmm. and to be like, okay, if I'm willing to work this hard and do these things, I can have these sorts of outcomes. So tell us what else you've had to do to sort of sustain that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, Yeah, I think that's actually
1: a really good thing to note because a lot of times when I go back home, people are like, what do you do? And I, I kind of describe... I don't even know what to say. I, I work in food, you know, that's, yeah. that's what I say. And I think sometimes when you, especially when you look at someone's social life or you look at, you're looking at the content I'm creating, it looks very dreamy and very mm-hmm. fun. And you're like, oh, you're on a retreat in the Hamptons with this brand. Yeah. And what people don't realize is all the back end that goes into that. So I think that's really important to note that it is like being a freelancer is so much hustle and a lot of, um, fear. Cause you just, sometimes you don't know how, how you're going to make money in the next month. Um, I found that, uh, somehow it always works out. And Mm. I really believe that it's just this like faith core in me where I'm like, I, I will always be provided for. I, I really believe that I don't. And I think, some of that might be naivety that keeps me in that but it it's okay so somehow
0: even when i'm freaking out about next it's month it's only naive if it doesn't work yeah true if it works, if it works then it's, just it's a history that you have to build on yeah, yeah
1: yeah and it has worked for i mean it has worked for me so um yeah so some of the some of the stuff that i've had to do that um maybe isn't so glamorous although it well wait a minute. I, yeah. I mean you
0: just you so I'm gonna can I yeah, name please. the drop on your behalf. Please. So you just finished this um you were hosting an event, mm-hmm. a retreat mm-hmm. for Darling magazine yep. and for Ari. Mm-hmm. And So these people bring you in and they're like, okay, you're not only creating the food, you're actually creating the space for everybody that's there. So are you doing other things at that level that are, that you're cobbling up in between? Yeah.
1: So, um, the backstory of of the retreats is that I worked with Darling Magazine to build their events division. Um, and so now I've just stayed, you know, stayed on contract with them to Mm -hmm. do certain events that, I want to do that fit with my brand and their brand. Um, and the retreats happen to be a great fit, um, because it is an entire weekend of creating space for people. Mm. And then I get to do the food and I get to play the hostess and I get to teach the workshops on personality. Um, so these, uh, retreats have actually been a great source of, uh, work for me. So I did, you know, I think we did three. Yeah, we did three this year. We did one in Nashville. We did one in Joshua tree. And then we just came off the one, um, with Ari and Darling. And what goes into that, it, it's, it's quite a tedious process. It's actually like planning a really big wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, you know, we come up with a budget and then you'd have to do everything that goes into a retreat. So finding the venue, making the guest list with a specific one in the Hamptons, we invited all influencers mm-hmm. or people with a large social following. And so we're reaching out to each of them, um, communicating with their managers and their agents and negotiating contracts. And then, you know, you book the venue and then you've got to find a photographer and you have to find a yoga teacher for the weekend. And then you've got to actually go to the location and set up the entire thing. So I went three days early and it was it was this hilarious moment for me. I was by myself for three days and I was like, I'm such an extrovert. I need to, I need my people. When are they coming? <laughs> but by you know, by day three, they're there. But on those first three days, it's it's tedious work. It's going to TJ Maxx and Marshall's and buying enough yoga mats and making sure that all the beds are set up correctly and going grocery shopping and making sure that the fridge is fully stocked with snacks and all the meal prep that goes into that. Right. Cause I'm feeding twenty-one women a day. Um three meals a day. And that is a ton of prep work and a ton of actual schlepping. And then being present
0: yeah. so that you can do the hosting part. Mm-hmm. So there's equal parts of work that you're creating for other people mm-hmm. that you're being hired out for, mm-hmm. as well as your own content creation. Yep. When you're creating content, how much of it that's for Kara, mm-hmm. how much of it are you creating in advance and mm-hmm. then going out and finding people that might want to partner in some way, sponsor, throw you a few dollars. How much of it is brands that um, you're hoping to work with Mm -hmm. that will pay you in advance and then you guys sort of collaborate on creating that content, like a specific content with an end game? Which is it? Is it a combination of both? Yeah. I think it's a combination. Um my and let me clarify again for the listener, content creation can be Kara writing mm-hmm. um an article. It can be Kara creating a video series. It can be actually hosting an event for a brand mm-hmm. where they have influencers. Those influencers are taking pictures, putting it out as yep. content into the world. So it means a lot of different things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, it's definitely a a combination. I think I have spent uh, a lot of my life. Um, I I love being a cheerleader. Like I look at someone's vision and I'm like, yes, you can do that. You can make that. I can help you. And I mean, you know, my story with other work stuff in LA Mm -hmm. where I've, I really have spent a lot of time building up other brands, Mm -hmm. um, and, and doing work for them as opposed to with them. Mm -hmm. And so coming into this year specifically, as I narrowed in and I, you know, I, I chose this word commit, I was like, I only want to do things that are for me at the same time. And so, you know, with, with these retreats, it's actually a, a massive benefit to me because I'm, I'm interacting with influencers. I'm getting to teach more workshops. I'm getting content from them. I'm getting all the food photos, all of the, you know, video that comes from these things yeah. to use as at my discretion. Um, And I think right now, I still want to just produce content for the sake of producing it. Um, I'm starting a little like YouTube series about hosting where mm-hmm. it's literally just these dumb videos about tips on hosting, you know, because some people don't even know what table questions are sure. or wouldn't even know what to ask. So, you know, providing that kind of can content. Can we get to that through your site? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll yep. make
0: sure that everybody has yep. that. Okay. Yep.
1: It's actually um, on my YouTube, but you can get to that through my site. Okay. Yep. So um, I want to be creating content. Partly because of what I feel like is inside of me that I want to share with the world. And also partly because it is fun to collaborate in general. So I just had this brand reach out. I love their product. We're going to collaborate on a party and they're an alcohol company. They make um, aperitifs. And so we're going to do like a toast and aperitif party. So I'm saying yes now to projects that are creating content for other brands as long as it's in conjunction That's with
0: can serve you, yeah. That's really what smart. I'm doing,
1: yeah. And now that I have a product, it does make it easier. I think it's a little bit harder when you don't have something specific um, that can be collaborated yeah. on. Like if I was just brought in as as myself as my brand as a personality, yeah, it's a little bit harder. I think for a brand to get their mind around. Well, how do we how do we yep. collaborate on this? But now that I have this, you know, toast product, um, people are like, oh, cool, let's do a
0: toast and yoga party or let's do yeah. a toast and wine, whatever it is. That's so smart. Mm-hmm. I actually like that we are not even in the tip section and you've given us a tip, but I like that because I think a lot of people, when they think about... Collaborating. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm not sure what I have to give. And it's like, well, if you're not sure mm-hmm. what you have to give to this partnership, the yeah. short term partnership, how are you expecting them yeah. to? It, Go in with something specific. And by having the book and yeah. having this point of view, this very specific point of view, mm-hmm. it gives you not that you weren't collaborating before, but it gives you a certain kind of leverage that perhaps you didn't have at yeah. your disposal. Um, okay. So we have talked a lot about the content creation, and I can't let the personality thing go. It's okay. like I've got you in front of me, yes. and I really want to bring it up. Oh my gosh. Um, we can only spend a minute on it because we got to get to the tip section. But you, that's something that um you're passionate, I would say, maybe even slightly obsessed with, obsessed. But because I love personalities mm-hmm. too. And um, in fact, when we first met, that was something that we had in common. And we were able to co-host something together yeah. around that. Um, I totally get it. But I realize a lot of people don't understand it or understand the value of mm-hmm. it. Can you kind of just share... How you, well, maybe not even how you first got interested because we know you're into it, but what's the value of it for people that don't get it? Yeah, I love that question. Um, Anytime I teach
1: on personality stuff, I, I always start by saying personality assessments should always be more freeing. They should never limit you or make you feel boxed in. And I think that's a lot of why people are hesitant to like them because they feel like you're putting me in a box. Don't put a label on me. Gosh. Um, Brian, that's my husband. Are you listening? <laughs> <Yeah. He laughs> they shouldn't do things. that. Yeah. They shouldn't do that because if they're done correctly, if they're used correctly, and if we speak about them correctly, what they're meant to do is give you a language for how you're operating and why you're operating in the world. Um, and that should open you up more to having greater empathy for other people because they are operating from a different place than you are. So I think that's my big love of them. And I said, didn't this, you
0: do like your thesis or something on
1: not my thesis, okay. but I studied, I studied okay. okay. uh, Myers Briggs Enneagram, all of that in grad school. Okay, mm-hmm. Got it. yeah. So we uh, it, we took like all these courses, taught so much. You know, with back then it was really Strengths Finder heavy and really any mm-hmm. Enne- or. Myers-Briggs heavy. I've now moved quite heavily into Enneagram. Mm -hmm. But I will say I, so I'm a middle of five Mm -hmm. and we went through a really traumatic event in my family when I was 13. And I think growing up, I was always fascinated by how each of us were affected very differently Mm. uh, with that experience and how it, it just brought out different pains or insecurities or issues, whatever. And in each of us very differently. Um, and so I think being from a family of five kids, you're like, wow, we're all so, we're, we're all raised by the same parents, but we're so different. Yeah. Um, kind of created this spark of just natural curiosity around personality in me. Um, and yeah, I, I love them because they are a tool and that is what they're supposed to be. Just a tool to help you better understand yourself and better understand people around you. And when we better understand people, like our our communication is better, our um, interactions are better, our self-love is better. Like, I just think the more we understand, again, the freedom thing, I the more freedom. I feel like they provide context
0: too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's, I mean, not an excuse, but yeah. sort of like, that's why I do that. Yeah. Or I'm just wired that way. Or let me just give myself permission to be that. That's not yeah. a flaw. That's part of who I am. That's part of who I am. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you kind of an odd question yes. before we move on. What kind of person of the three personality tests you just mentioned? Yeah. And I know you just said you favor and you're really spending yeah. more time in the Enneagram one, but of the three, yeah. which type of personality would you recommend do Myers Briggs? Which type of personality would you recommend do Strengths Finder? And which would you recommend do Enneagram? Ooh, like what what kind of person They're Like what kind of person are you? Like, you know, mm. you might not get the Enneagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you do this? Yep. Okay, so Enneagram,
1: the person And we'll that, list them all. Yeah. The person that needs the Enneagram, or not that needs, but that would enjoy the Enneagram, is someone who is looking to tap more into um self-exploration and identity and and um, the why of who they are. Because what Enneagram does is it focuses on fear and motivation. Mm-hmm. So it's a really heart-based test. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really looking at like, why why am I driven to do that? Why am I driven to do that? Why, your your big fear is, okay. is kind of going to narrate a lot in the Enneagram. And so someone who's looking for more like, this is who I am and this is why I
0: am. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the Enneagram. And it h- offers that high-low. It mm-hmm. offers the best of you and, and the, the, worst, the of you. worst of you. Yeah, and in it's, it. yeah,
1: it's done in a way too where you're like, oh, yep, that's why I do that. I'm a seven. And and you can own some dysfunctional things in yourself mm-hmm. without feeling shame around them. Yeah. And that's, that's incredible because um, that can push you into growth. Uh, with the Myers-Briggs, so that was developed by... Um, Mother daughter duo mm-hmm. um, back in the 40s when they were trying to get women into the workplace.
0: I did not know yeah, during that. World
1: War II. I think that's part of why I love it too because it's it was like women. Well, yeah, that that's awesome. It. Um, but again, it, uh, the Myers Briggs is a bit more behavioral where I say the Enneagram is a little bit more heart. Um, this one feels a little more action. Okay. So it's going to tell you. Um, how you get your energy, uh, how you see the world, whether you operate from a thinking or a feeling center. And then again, do you like structure or do you like freedom? And, and it's this four letter test. Um, and so I think the person that would enjoy the Myers-Briggs is someone who maybe if you're trying to figure out like a new work thing or even some relational stuff, like would I be a good match with that person? Okay. It seems to be a little more formulaic, um, and I think that's why people feel boxed in because they're like, "Don't tell me I'm an extrovert; I'm an introvert." Right. Um, and again, you're all of it. Like sure. in these tests, you're all the things. There's just you know a preference that you're going to lean towards. Um, and then StrengthsFinder, gosh, if you need like an ego boost, I say take the StrengthsFinder. <laughs> okay. Or if you want to, if you want to like be able to name who you are, uh-huh. StrengthsFinder is really good in that because it you know i think it's 30 is it 34 or 32 i don't remember it's how Gallup, many yeah the Gallup organization i think it's 34 strengths and um they give you your top 5 right and they're all positive they're yeah. all very uh positive good feeling attributes about yourself
0: which was all intentional i mean i mm-hmm. it was on the back end of like why are companies focusing on people's weaknesses yeah. and trying we're trying to sharpen those. Why yes. aren't we spending time focusing on on the our strengths? Yeah. Okay. So that's awesome. I yeah. love that. Cause oh. I've never asked you that question. So and you're nicely taking us into this next section where you've already given us some advice, but we're gonna we're gonna dig a little bit deeper and ask you for more. So between the Perfect. blog mm-hmm. hosting, mm-hmm. content creation, mm-hmm. being an influencer, mm-hmm. and I would call you kind of a niche influencer. And I want to make a, a a determination or a distinction rather. We have thought that influencers needed to be people who had massive numbers Mm. and what both Instagram has taught us recently Mm -hmm. in this algorithm change and what brands are starting to look for is it's not enough to have a massive following. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, how are you affecting people? Are they going to move Mm -hmm. when you say jump? Do they say how high they really want to understand your engagement and your ability to move the needle? Yeah. Um, based on the audience that's listening to you. So I would say you are in that in that group of people that is able to move the needle. The people that are paying attention to you and mm. following you are kind of loyal mm. to what you have to say. So as somebody and now authoring a cookbook, as somebody who has is has all these different things, mm. all these balls spinning plate spinning. I'm the worst when it comes to these things, (laughs) whatever you have candles spinning, let's just make something else. Um, what is it, or can you give us a little insight into what the day to day is Mm. and maybe some things, maybe it's with hiring Hannah, like Mm -hmm. some things that have really helped you to manage that and to Mm -hmm. streamline that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, (sighs) yeah, Yes, uh, <laughs> like thinking, <laughs> well, in my streamlined. I still don't know. Um, hiring Hannah was massive um, for me. I think it was this step of uh, I want to grow. I mm-hmm. want to grow a brand and a business, and so um, in order to do that, you need people on your team. And I think I am um, independent and I'm a hustler, and I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. And that was this first step of me being like, oh. I actually want help. I don't just need it. I actually want people on my team. Um, And being willing to learn how to delegate has been a learning process for me to have people who are seeing my vision and saying, we want to build this with you.
0: Um, What can I ask something? Cause we hear that a lot and I understand that myself. What is that? Do you think that's Mm. fear that they won't get it? Do you think it's just, it's been your baby for so long it's hard to pry your hands open. Like, what do you think that is?
1: Um, I think it can be, uh, I think it can be a, a couple of things. I. As, as a woman and and part of my story, I think a lot of it comes down to, do I value myself? Do I believe in my vision enough to hand it off to other people?
0: Um, cause we I, haven't heard that. Yeah. That's some new insight. Okay. Yeah. Cause
1: I think we spend, I mean, I spent a lot of my life really believe and I still do believing and building up other people. And I came to this moment of like, why am I not doing that for myself? Mm. And I, I truthfully think it's because I didn't, I I didn't fully have the confidence yet. Like mm. I was still getting there. And it took a lot of people being like, no, we see your vision. Let's do this. For me to be like, oh yeah, totally. And even, you know, having friends be like, I want to photograph this book for you. Or Hannah just seeing the vision and being like, let's let's build this beautiful, yeah. beautifully designed book. Um, I I do think some of it comes down to do we believe that we're valuable enough to create what we want to create? Because we can all have dreams and visions. And like ideas for what we want to build in the world. But it really does take uh, believing that we're worthwhile and believing that
0: uh, what we're creating is worth being in the world to actually do it. So, yeah. So bringing Hannah in sort of... It it was still the same amount of work that Mm -hmm. you were bringing in. But it was if I bring somebody onto my team that can Mm -hmm. help participate... That can scaffold, that can Mm -hmm. support me, then I can can continue to run this business. It's a business of lots of different jobs and platforms and opportunities. Then I'm freed up to even take on more work, work. further Mm -hmm. expand the vision, Mm -hmm. do more of the ideating and the dreaming. And I've got somebody who can support me. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Absolutely. That's I think really helpful and is probably one of the hardest things to do is get that first hire. Oh yeah. It's so... It's so challenging and so fun once you do it. Yeah, no, it is. Um, Okay, so I want to go back to the influencer thing. So there are are lots of um, people out there who are struggling with all of the the content that they feel like they have to create, even if they're (laughs) companies who are like, I make a widget, Mm -hmm. why do I have to create content? Mm -hmm. And there's a great quote by... um, uh, the founder of Headley Bennett and she says, no matter what you do, she's like, I'm an apron company, mm. but at the end of the day, we're all media companies. Mm. And I think that's brilliant. It is brilliant. Um, it's a way for us to kind of shift our thinking. Um, it, it gives us a new framework, I think, yeah. to think about what it is we need to create to cut through the clutter. Yeah. So... If we put that hat on and say, we are all, in fact, media companies, mm, mm-hmm. how would you recommend we cut through the clutter? How yeah. do you say to a, a woman who you've met at one of your parties, he yeah. says, I want to do what you're doing. Yeah. I want to host events. I want to write a book. I want to be um, an authority and a personality mm-hmm. in, in my space as a as a video series, as a whatever. Somebody yeah. who sees what you're doing. What do you say to her? Like, well, hang Hang on honey because yeah. it's a long road. Like yeah. what are you, what are your yeah. words of wisdom? <gasps>
1: um my my first words would be like, yeah, do it. But <laughs> <laughs> beyond that, I kind of have this like uh, this I would ask why. That would be my response. Like why do you want to do that? Like I think at the end of the day, it always comes down to our motivation. Why, why do you want to host people? Why do you want to build a platform? Why do you want to have a media company? Is there a
0: bad why and a good why? I don't know
1: that there's bad or good, but I think when you are connected to the why, um, then you're building from a place of authenticity. Mm -hmm. So if you know your why Mm. it makes building much easier. Um, And And maybe saying yes
0: and no to certain opportunities or certain partnerships. Yeah, it helps you
1: streamline what you are going after. Even now, like as I've narrowed in my why, um, it, it has helped me say no to things that are not benefiting me. And they might make a couple dollars, but at the end of the day, are those couple dollars worth sacrificing what I'm trying to
0: build? So how has it helped you specifically in Creating content that cuts through the clutter. Like, mm-hmm. what is it? Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about the fact that the book is called Toast and yeah. it's all about toast. And to me, that's cutting through the clutter. Yeah, like, yeah, it's so it's like a straight you know arrow. Exactly what it yeah. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How yeah. would you advise people who are out there trying... They're on Instagram at night and mm-hmm. they're feeling defeated before they go to bed mm-hmm. because... Which is everyone, yeah, I guarantee. which it, everything doesn't look the same way or everything yeah. sounds... I'm starting to sound the same or um, I'm not communicating who we yeah. are. What, what, yeah. what do you want to say to them? No, I
1: think that's... I, I I don't know that I have anything um, strongly opinionated to, to say to them because I think I'm in that question mm. myself. Um, I just had a conversation with a friend who, you know, said you're an authority on hosting. You are an expert. You do you you have clocked your ten thousand hours. Yeah. And she said you need to communicate that in your Instagram. And I think sometimes, um, I I just don't. Yeah. I I, I shy away from yeah coming across as like. Uh, like bossy or what? Whatever
0: it might. Who do be. you think you are? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. yet the
1: truth is, I ha- I have hosted hundreds, probably thousands of dinner parties at this mm-hmm. point, so I do know things. Um, and so I think maybe that's part of it. Is mm-hmm. what what message do you have to give to the world, and what authority do you carry, and how can you communicate that? Um, through content in a way, and again, I'm asking this question for myself in a way that isn't, um. Belittling or defeating to other people, but Mm -hmm. almost empowering. So if I have something, you know, if table questions are like a cool thing I use at dinner parties, why don't I share that in Mm -hmm. my content? And why don't I talk about how that has, you know, opened up a lot of vulnerability for people at a dinner table or whatever it might be? So I think the cutting through the clutter thing is something I'm still I'm still asking because I think again being a seven and liking everything, I'm doing everything and trying everything, and I'm not necessarily connected to that. Here's my one vision right. with content, and I the people that do it well, I think they are yeah. like I look at certain, uh, you know, influencers on Instagram. And I'm like, I know exactly what she does or mm-hmm. he does. Yeah, I think there is something really beautiful about kind of narrowing into that,
0: but I'm still figuring it out. Myself. Well, it, I like the idea of picking things that you do well mm-hmm. and that you bring to the table, mm-hmm. and just repeatedly identifying those things yeah. for your listener cuz they actually want to know. Yeah. Um your reader, your follower, your friend, whatever the yeah. platform. They want to know. They mm-hmm. want to hear from you. They want you to tell them. Yeah. That's why they're there. Yeah. Um, but I think it does take a minute to embrace that mm. I wish we could all just say Okay, stop yeah. One, two, three, stop yeah. Collectively Yeah. Now we're all going to go out And just say what we have to offer yeah. And not do that weird ourselves yeah, yeah. yeah Okay, so we're going to do that When this podcast Great. comes out One, we're two, all three, count stop three, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> stop um, So um, this is a listener favorite This question Ooh. This is about like What apps, what resources, mm-hmm. what tips What are you using that is helping to sort of um, manage your day-to-day, especially mm-hmm. for somebody like you that has all this stuff going on and it's life is kind of coconuts. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the things that you're using that we could maybe tap into?
1: Yeah. Um, from a social perspective, like apps? It apps could wise. be that.
0: It could even be just how I manage mm-hmm. connecting with Hannah and yeah. making sure we're working on projects.
1: Yeah. So I, Hannah would tell you, I am the most
0: uh, scatterbrained, like all over the place, ADD And you type. can just say to Hannah. You're welcome. Yeah. Now you have a job. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um,
1: so I, for me, every single morning without fail, I have to be still okay. at some point, like whether it's meditating or praying or getting quiet or eating breakfast by myself. I ha- I force myself every day. Ten minutes, like, can do it, but I have to get still in my brain um, because I know how fast it races, and so. That is like one thing. I think everyone should take time for themselves mm-hmm. every day, how, whatever that looks like for you. Um,
0: Why but, is 10 minutes so hard to find? It's, so it's hard. ridiculous. It's so hard, yeah. but then when
1: you do it, you're like, oh, this is yeah. my nourishment. And
0: it's not rocket science. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I actually can't breathe unless I have those 10 minutes. So um, that would, I would say that would be my first thing, but working with another person, so working with Hannah, um, I've started using Todoist, which is like this checklist. App. I don't know and that. Now it's okay. like genius. It's red. Um, okay. It's like this red app. And it basically just keeps all of your to-dos and you can like check them off. You can share them with people. So Hannah can see all the things that I have to like okay. complete in a week. Um, and, and I am so not... Uh, structured nor routine, but I know that when I have it, I thrive a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And because I work for myself, if I don't create that, I'm probably just going to end up in bed watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. Not really, but yeah. you know, th- there are afternoons where I'm like, Oh, do I really want to work right now? So I like creating structure for myself. Part of that looks like, um, you know, building in a weekly meeting with Hannah every Tuesday at 11. Mm-hmm. Like that just is a standing meeting. And then we have like a monthly check-in that we, that we build that we've built in. Um, and part of that for me also looks like working out, Mm -hmm. which I have been terrible with, but I know that when I'm doing something active and it's kind of built into my structure, I just feel healthier and then I'm working more efficiently. Um, so that's a big thing for me, just creating some kind of routine. Cause when you live this life of like, you're all over the place and then I'm in the Hamptons for a week and then yeah. I'm like overly exhausted. If I don't have structure, I, I really feel like I'm drowning. Well,
0: and you probably with, with a life of like in a lot of intensity, mm-hmm. and then these down moments. When you're in those down down meaning not a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in those moments, you probably are like, you know what? I owe it to myself to binge watch right now yeah. because I've been yeah. crazy. I've been my but then ourselves. on that second and third day, that yeah. you're like, I owe it to myself. You're like, no, actually, you need to start anticipating what the long game is. Mm-hmm. Like, what start making connections with people. Yeah. Start thinking about what's going to happen six months from now not yes. just what the next gig is. So I think having that structure is probably super helpful mm-hmm. for anybody who's um, the poster child of the gig economy. Yeah. Um, I want to just get one thing clear for those listening when we talk about a lot of the content that you're creating mm-hmm. that some of it is created where you're investing in it. Yeah. Which, so there's could be a video series mm-hmm. that you're investing and you're like, hey, this is getting me out into the world. Um, people are understanding who I am as a brand and as a personality, Mm -hmm. but then there's also content where somebody's paying you and you're shooting a bunch of stuff. So this is specifically creating video content. So I just wanted people to hear that. Am I right about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when they think of like, I still don't know where the money's coming from. It's a little bit of both. Of both. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to just wrap this last question before we get into our little fun section, but If it's kind of looking back, what do you wish somebody would have told you when you landed in LA four years ago before you were in this beautiful loft, what do you wish they would have said to you or Mm. told you like, just do this one thing Mm. and it'll save you some time or money or heartache Mm. or whatever? Uh, Focus. Yeah,
1: focus. And I, in hindsight, like I don't know that I could have then. I think life is so much about timing and I almost had to, try everything to realize I don't want everything. Yeah. Um, Or what you want. Yeah. Or What what do you want to Mm -hmm. focus on? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, life feels strategic like that where I've, you know, I've worked for an Instagram dog and a magazine and a hedge fund. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want (laughs) any of those things. Like I want to create space for people. So, um, but yeah, I think focus. Cause I, I think for me, um, it's interesting, I think people it, I guess it it does come back to that why, where for me, the lack of focus was fear, mm. and sometimes it's that's not the case for people, um, but for me, it really was the fear of if I choose myself, that means one, I have to believe in what I'm doing, and two, it means that I'm saying no to other things, yeah um and which so, I think is
0: fear too.
1: Yeah. I actually think it's yeah. uh,
0: it's often fear. It,
1: it that definitely is for me. Yeah. I I think if I am if I don't say no to something when I don't want to do it, it's always fear-based. It's like, "Oh my gosh, I might need to make that money," or "Oh my mm. gosh, like what if I burn that con- whatever it is." It's it's generally fear-based. And so Yeah, I would say focus
0: and don't fear. (laughs) Okay, focus and don't fear. That's the hashtag for all you ladies out there. So um, before we totally wrap up, we want our audience to know these few things about you that are imperative. Hmm. Um, So I'm going to ask you six quick questions and you just tell us what comes to mind, okay? Yes, I love this. Nine to five or flex schedule? Oh, flex schedule. Yeah, (laughs) I don't even, should we have asked that? I don't know. Um, Vacation in the mountains or the beach? Oh, the beach. Okay. Oh, you're good at this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Work from home or office?
1: Oh, that one's hard. Um, If it's a flex schedule, office.
0: Okay. Yep. Tell me why.
1: Uh, Because there's something about when I'm in my home, it needs to be clean and orderly. Then
0: I get distracted. Yeah. 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 I hear you. Uh, Work alone or with a team? A team. Um... Hardest question: Thai or Mexican food? Ooh, Mexican. Oh, not oh, even not even not, a hesitation. A, I love Thai food, but ooh, guacamole all day. Okay, yeah. okay, and and then guac on toast. Yes. Okay, we yes. just need to say yes. that right. And then, so we've named this podcast Liberty Sessions, mm-hmm. and our company is Liberty, and it's really because. Um, we want women to be liberated through finding their calling mm-hmm. through pursuing a venture that is meaningful to them. Uh, what is it for you to be liberated? What does that mean Ooh, for Kara to be liberated? To be liberated.
1: Ah, um, I love that question. I love the word liberated. Um, I think for me, when I think about being liberated, uh, I said this earlier, but this idea of being fully connected to who I am Mm. and being really in touch with the way my heart beats, what it beats for, um, the whys of my life. Like, why am I choosing that person or this thing or whatever it might be? Um, And ultimately, uh, knowing and loving who I am, like really dropping into this sense of identity where I don't want to be anybody else except Mm -hmm. for me. Like, I only want to be me. And I don't want what anybody else has. I want what I have. So I think that that's the ultimate liberation to be able to say, like, I only want me and what I have.
0: That's cool. Yeah. I love that. And we haven't heard that. I like it. I like being the first. I know. Kara, thank you. Thanks for your time. It's always good to be with you. Mm. And I can't wait for people to hear this and feel like you've given them a sense of only wanting to be them. Mm. So appreciate it. Talk to you soon. And for all you Liberty listeners, we'll get to you guys again next week. Until then, ciao. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Wyndham, and music by Jordan Flower.